This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I want to welcome all of you that are watching by um, internet. Especially glad you can be with us this evening. Hope you got a Bible there in your living room, bathroom, or bedroom, or wherever you are. Hallelujah. Outdoors. Maybe you got one of them great big, you know, 97-inch televisions, you know, in the outdoors, you know. Kind of like a theater. Hallelujah. So anyway, um, it's good to be here tonight. Praise God. So many good things that are going on in people's lives. We're excited about the Word of God and what's happening in the world in which we live. Lots of good ministry and things like that is coming about. We've had a couple different individuals that have given their hearts to Christ in uh, the uh, most recent weeks, last couple weeks. So uh, praise God, you know, we're, uh, we're populating heaven and plundering hell. Glory to God. And so we're thankful for that. So did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles tonight again. Can any of you guess where we might be going? Mark? Mark, Mark, chapter 11. Oh, boy, I, am, I must not be doing a very good job. Mark, chapter 11. Praise the Lord. Let's look at that. I know I've been jumping around quite a bit here, but, you know, the Bible, I tell you what, thank God for His Word. Amen? The entrance of His Word gives light. It illuminates our hearts and minds. And, you know, for uh, quite a number of weeks here, we've been talking about faith, and, and uh, especially in the context of understanding the nature of faith, because people, again, they got so many different ideas about what faith is. But you know what I'm interested in, and I know you are too, or you wouldn't be here tonight. I want to know what, you know, the God kind of faith is. I want to know what Bible, real Bible faith is, because I know this much about it, it'll change your life, you know. And all of us, I think this evening here at least, can attest to that as to what it is that God's Word's capable of doing. Glory to God. And what a privilege it is for us to not only break the bread of life, but look at what it is that Jesus said. You know, with his disciples, I, I, I've been thinking about this here recently. You know, I mean, he really brought kind of a motley crew around him. I mean, when you think about where these guys came from, they were pretty rough and tumble, nitty gritty kind of people. You know, and what that means is there's hope for you and me. Uh-huh. You know, because so much of the time we say, well, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not whatever. God really doesn't care about what you are or aren't. I'm telling you, he's not looking for all of that. He's looking for an availability, really a heart. You know, I mean, Gideon, you know, he's hiding in a threshing uh, or in a uh, vat or whatever, you know, threshing wheat, trying to get a little something, something. <laughs> the angel comes in and says, hey, man, you're a mighty man of God. Well, that's, his response didn't indicate that. And um, so God used him as an instrument uh, to deliver them. And uh, I believe that he can do that with any of us if we're just available. Amen? It's yeah. so not about us. It's not what uh, you and I <clears throat> excuse me, have accomplished or anything of that nature. It's just about him and our availability to him because he can do amazing things uh, within our lives. Amen? Praise God. I mean, you know, just in a moment's time, I mean, any of us, if we are available, I mean, you have the potential of being able to change a person's life through what you know. And by simply sharing and communicating with that person, you know, and uh, so it doesn't matter about your age, doesn't matter about your social status, doesn't matter about none of that. You know, it's just that availability um, that we can have that can really make a difference in people's lives. Praise God. So everybody say it together, I'm available. I'm 
Yeah, you know, you think about Ananias, you know, he just mind his own business. The Lord speaks to his heart and he says, here am I, Lord. And he says, okay, I got, a, I got an assignment for you. I want you, to, I want you to go talk to the most threatening individual to the local church and the body of Christ on the planet. And he goes, you know, I, 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 I've heard about him and I'm not that excited. And he says, no, go your way. He's a chosen vessel unto me. And there's things I want to show him about what it is he's going to do to advance the kingdom of God. So Ananias went. Everybody say he went. Yeah, yeah he didn't say no. You know, I mean, I, I think all of us within our lives at some time, if the Lord spoke to us about wanting something done, all of us have, you know, put the brakes on. No? You, you just, what? Yeah, uh-huh. I know I did. When he spoke to me about starting this church, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, you know. Oh, uh, thank God. Human wisdom doesn't know a whole lot, does it? Amen. So if he speaks to you and he wants you to do something, just say, Lord, you make a way. And uh, it's like I've been listening to a, a minister that I'm good friends with here, and he was talking about, you know, faith is not a leap. It's a step. He leads us in steps. You know, if, if I were to think about when we first got started in ministry and Deanna was working in her base, basement <clears throat> as the accountant for the church, and we were meeting in people's houses, you know, to have church, you know, and to think about, you know, where we began and where we're at, you know, you just, you don't get there in one leap, okay? A lot of folk like that concept, but that's not the way it works. You put one foot in front of the other one, and, you know, it's just like climbing a ladder. It's one rung at a time. Now, the unfortunate thing about it is a lot of times people want to start at the top, and that's not the way it works. You know, if God puts you at the top of some of the things that maybe he has planned for you, you'd probably uh, crash, burn, you know. So many times, you know, there's things that God has plans for people, but sometimes their giftings and their talent will outstrip their character. You know what I mean by that? You can see it in, in athleticism and uh, a lot of the sporting activities things got these guys that are incredibly talented i mean gosh wow but their character is in need desperately and so they they get catapulted you know to this place but they can't handle it and so they end up uh crashing and burning you know well the same thing's true in ministry same thing's true in really all of our lives you know god wants to build character into our lives so that we can be depended on so that we that he knows we'll be faithful hallelujah you know paul when he was writing he says because he counted me faithful in other words paul passed some tests to get to where he you know went you with me and the same thing's true with us hallelujah so everybody say it together god's not through with me no, he's, he's got some great things, praise God. I mean, some of the greatest things that have happened in people's lives were happened after they were, you know, 50, 60 years old. So, hey, we're in good shape, you know? Yeah. You know, Brother Hagin, um, our, our spiritual father, he never wrote a book till he was 48, you know? He started a Bible school when he was... Uh, Let's see, I gotta think about this. He was older, let's put it that way. 
you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that Brother Hagen couldn't have started a Bible school when he was 39 years old or whatever, you know. You understand where I'm coming from. And so, uh, um, you know, let's just never despise the day of small beginnings. And let's be faithful with whatever it is that God's called us to do. Hallelujah. You know, and uh, um, get happy. You with me? You know, I got a lot of my peers, you know, they're in big metropolitan and urban areas and big churches and all this and that, and I'm in a cornfield. But you know what? I'm okay with the cornfield, you know? I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have anybody to, to uh, have to, you know, impress or anything of that nature. I'm thankful for what it is that he asked me to do. Amen? So I'm going to be faithful where I'm at and do the very best that I can you know, to make an impact in the lives of the people that, you know, God gives me the privilege to minister to. So it's all good. And that's sermon number one. All right. Did you find Mark chapter 11? Let's read our text and then we'll, we'll get down this road. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow or in the morning when they were, they being Jesus and his disciples were come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if perhaps he may find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Now, I don't know if Jesus was ever in the habit of talking to things, but I'm going to guess that when they heard it, they probably thought, that's a little strange because most people, as you know, don't go around talking to inanimate objects. But he did, and they heard it. So let's drop down to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, a fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus, answering, said unto them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you that what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. So we've been talking about, during our midweek services, you know, as, as far as understanding the nature of faith and what it is, the biblical God kind of faith. People, again, as I said, have all different kinds of ideas about what faith is. One of the things that we made reference to is a simple fact. A lot of people mistake faith for hope. They're hoping that God, well, you know, we sure hope so. Well, hope doesn't get the job done, but faith will. But the reality is, is that people have to know where faith comes from and how it functions, you know. And um, so that's the reason why we're talking about this. And, you know, when Jesus had this incident occur, um, there were a lot of different things that, you know, may have played into it. But I do believe that he took it, he took the opportunity to make it a teachable moment for his disciples to explain to them the function and operation of what faith is 
how it acts and what it does. Because he spoke to the tree, the next day it was dead. Actually, the moment he spoke, it was dead. You know, it went through the process of, of dying or diminishing or whatever the case might be. So when they called it to his remembrance, he just told them that you need to have the God kind of faith. And in this scenario, as, as we see, he basically spoke to this tree and it died. So there was what we could call a command of faith that was given, and it, the tree in this case, obeyed him. But interestingly enough, he coupled this together with the idea of you and I praying. So he said, whosoever shall say not doubt, but believe these things shall come to pass. But then he said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe, believe that at the time when you pray, you receive them. Not when they show up, but when you pray. Because after all, when he said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, at that moment, it was without question his expectation that thing would never live another moment, and it didn't. So he's talking about the operation or the functionality of faith, and he's talking about it in the context of a command of faith, and then what we could refer to as a petition or a prayer of faith. And he basically is saying that these two things work the same way. So he said, again, in 23, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast in, not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, everybody say believe, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And the truth of the matter is, is that people are actually having what they say. They just don't know it, okay? There are things that people believe, and in their belief, they have or are having what they say. And, you know, Jesus made this statement, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You listen to someone, you'll find out what they believe, okay? And that belief, you know, right or wrong, is what sets the course for the direction of their life and where it is that they're going to go. That's why, thank God, everybody say thank God, for his word that he's given to us to straighten out our thinking so that we can both believe and think the way he does. Not the way the world thinks, not the way that, you know, tradition, you know, might be telling us something or, you know, anything of that nature, but what God says about you. You know, the Bible says that you're his workmanship, you know, and a lot of times we suffer, people suffer from self-esteem, you know, somebody said something, maybe they were raised a certain way, and I mean, they just, they struggle with it. I mean, it's, it is a mountain, it is a stronghold, it is a, it, it's, it's a problem, you know. But God said that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which he's ordained that you should walk in them. So, so it's, it's from another uh, uh, frame of, of mind that God is talking to you about you. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to begin seeing yourself as he sees you. Because God does not make junk. Okay? And so it's important for us. And, and, and the thing about it is, is, you know, self-condemnation, self-esteem issues are from hell. Okay? You're not skinny enough, you're not fat enough, you're not tall enough, you're not, 
you know, short enough or, you know, I mean, God only knows what it is that we come up with sometimes in our minds. And we go down these rabbit trails with this kind of pattern of thinking, you know, and um, it's, it's unhealthy. So everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Glory to God. You are what you are by the grace of God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand that. So anyway, he, he, in these verses, he's making reference to the command of faith. Now, another example of that would be in the story of Lazarus. Remember when uh, Jesus had went on another missionary campaign or someplace, he was gone, and, and Lazarus got sick, so they sent word to him and said, hey, he's about to die. You know, you need to come right away. Well, his, when he heard the report, he said, this sickness, he wasn't praying. Oh, now, wait a minute. We better pray about it. Would you all gather around, catch hands? We need to pray. It's not what he did. He, he addressed the condition that he had heard of, the report, and he said, this sickness is not unto death before the glory of God. So he's already determined what's going to happen in that circumstance. Hallelujah. So when you get a negative report, somebody comes along and tells you all kind of junk or whatever the case might be, be careful about what you're, what you, the next moment, what it is you're going to say. Because this is going to set the course for whatever it is that's going to happen in that moment of your life. Does that make sense to you? Well, so he, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't even rush off. You know, he just continued on, finished up what it is that he had been commissioned to do. And then, uh, <clears throat> then he told the disciples, we're going to go back. Lazarus is asleep and I need to go wake him up. Well, they had just gotten ran out of town. So the disciples weren't that real excited about going back. They said, dude, if he's sleeping, he'll be all right. He can wake up himself. Let's just stay away from there. And that's when Jesus said, you know, are there not 12 hours in the day? If you walk in the light, you don't have any problems. Hallelujah. I mean, you can walk into a storm if Jesus is the one who led you there and come out unscathed and on top. Well, so he went back, and you remember the story. So anyway, you know, um, um, the long and the short of that is, is he raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. So it was when he made that statement he addressed the situation and what the outcome of it was going to be. Is that something that's, you know, within reach as far as a child of God is concerned? Absolutely. I mean to tell you absolutely. You know, because I use a story all the time when my kids got broken into and they stole all that stuff. As soon as I heard it, I, I, I jumped up off the floor and I said, no, in the name of Jesus, devil, you will bring back every piece of what it is that belongs to them. And we will not. You know, he's a thief, you know. And so I, I told this story. What we did, we jumped in, a, we got a little light plane. So my son and Greg and I ran down there. And all the stuff, this is probably two days after it happened. We had, a, you know, the police wanted to fill out a report and all this. And we go down there, and it's all stacked up in the, on the patio in the backyard. And the, and the policeman, the law enforcement guy, says, I ain't never seen nothing like this before. But see, the thing, you set the course for the way things are going to happen. You know, are you with me? So there is, again, what we refer to as the command of faith. You know, when he got up in the bow of that boat, he wasn't saying, 
God, you know, if you could help us out here, that'd be really good because it looks like the disciples are a little stressed and I'm trying to get some rest and we got a little problem here. No, he stood up in the bow of the boat. He spoke to the wind and it obeyed him. Hallelujah. Are you with me? You say, can we do that? Sure can. I got it on video. We had a tornado nearly tried to destroy our house, you know, and it went back up. You can believe what you want about this, dude, but I'm telling you, this thing was in the southwest, it was southwest of our house coming at our home, and we, I spoke to that thing in Jesus' name. I mean, we had debris and all kinds of stuff smattered all over the side of the house and the, and the garage and the thing went up and disappeared and went um, to the northeast and came right back down on the other side of the road just not far from where Deanna lives, maybe a mile or so from where. And this thing is sitting there spinning, and the whole uh, 40 acres, I mean, is just all in the air, you know, from, from this thing. And it looks like it wants to come back, you know. Now, whether it did or not, I just said, no, you don't. I'm standing on a stump from a tree I just got done cutting down. You're not coming back here. And it went two miles actually due north, a little, yeah, north, maybe a bit east, and blew a farmstead completely to pieces. Yeah. So, thank God for the spirit that is in you, that dwells in you. He will keep you, he will protect you, he will preserve you. Are you listening to me? He said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you know, something, I mean, that's pretty small. Doesn't take much. Everybody say, I got faith. The Bible says that God's dealt to you the measure of faith. You got some faith. You know, the devil tell well, no, you ain't got no faith. You ain't got this. Remember that last time you did? No, that man, you know. He'll do everything he can to talk you out of it. But thank God, if you're a child of God and born of his spirit, you got faith. And you can believe what it is that God has promised. Hallelujah. So he took this time to teach these, these guys the operation and function. And here's the thing you need to understand. He wants you to know. He wants you to be able to receive his, from his benevolent and gracious hand. And the way that we do it is through faith. Praise God. But it's steps, you know. You know, it's like when he told his disciples, let us go to the other side. Well, that's the step. Get in the boat. Start going. So they get in the middle of it, and sure enough, here comes a storm. But thank God he spoke to it, and he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And thank God, they can just thank God that they were with, with, with him. But again, it's another teachable moment. It seems, at least, it implies, why didn't you get up in the front of this boat and do something about it yourself? I, I mean, is that a stretch? I don't think so. You know, I mean, somebody should have just got up and said, Jesus said to go to the other side, now peace be still. Or however that comes out, you know. <clears throat> Next step, they get, they get there. Guys run around naked in the cemetery. Jesus casts the devil out of him, puts him in his right mind. Thank you, Jesus. Puts some clothes on him, gets back in the boat, and leaves. Don't you think that's interesting that God would send him for one person to set him free? You know, the devil almost tried to kill him trying to get there because he knew that his heyday with this guy was over. 
Interesting. Well, so anyway, praise God. You know, here's the thing. God doesn't want his children settling for less than his best and what it is that he has for you. Some kind of counterfeit kind of faith where you just tolerate and put up and, you know, say, well, I guess that's the best I can do. Well, that's not right. I said, that's not right. Let's use our faith and glorify God. Let's, let's, you know, have a, a testimony, praise God, of God's gracious, uh, benevolent hand working in our lives. Uh, amen? You know, um, <clears throat> so he wanted to demonstrate this in the function and operation. And what we need to understand is, is that Bible faith is something that is released by your words, your confession, or declaration, if you want to call it that, of your mouth and what you believe in your heart. When Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, guess what? He believed it and he knew it and he declared it and he brought the thing. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? You know, I said, Lord, I don't think this is a good idea. He's been there a while. He said, don't you trouble yourself about it. Glory to God. So he uh, said that, you know, and, and, and again, we release faith by the things that we say and what we believe. Now, uh, Jesus taught these guys a spiritual law, which is important for all of us to understand, and that is simply this. You can, and actually you will, have what you say. You know, if it's always negative, if it's always nobody, you know, does he, I never get a break, I don't get anything, that's just the devil. You know, driving people's, you know, just, you know, pushing their face into the dirt. And that's why God wants you to uh, change the way that you think. You know, some people are, some people are very, um, um, I don't know, hesitant, if that's the right way to put it, you know, when it comes to accepting the realities of God's Word. Sometimes, you know, I mean, uh, people, you know, their intellect gets in their road, you know, and uh, God gave us intellect, but you got to keep it in the right place where it belongs because some of the things that God, you know, deals with don't, doesn't have anything to do with your intellect. It has to do with your heart. Are you with me? But their intellect will keep them from moving into those greater kinds of things. And so we don't want to let that happen. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruit. Another uh, scripture in Proverbs 12 and 14 says that a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. So how do you talk? What's your conversation like? You know, what's it revolve around? Is it, you know, is it laced with God's promises? You know, when, when Paul was writing there in, in uh, Philippians, he says, have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. And he was talking about servanthood and being a servant and things of that nature. But he talked about your attitude. And I like what one guy says, your attitude determines your altitude. So if you want to fly high, then praise God, you've got to be able to have a good attitude. But if you've got a bad attitude, and of course the devil is the one that accommodates that. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I didn't have it like you did, or you got it better than me, and, you know, all of these different kinds of things, kind of a victim kind of thing. And, and there's, no one's minimizing some of the pain and the challenges that people have gone through. They're very real, and it's to be regretted because we live in this fallen world. But thank God Jesus didn't come to redeem you to keep you there. 
He came to bring you up out of that. And he needs your cooperation in beginning to believe what it is that he has for you and what it is he's promised you. Amen? And if you'll start doing that, then praise God. I mean, every day of your life, you got to get up and say, thank you, Jesus. I know you got something great for me today. Amen, because he does. So, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Proverbs 13 and 2 says, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So, you know, people just don't really understand the incredible power and authority that there is or influence in what you say, you know? So you can either breathe life into a situation or you can suck the life right out of it. Parents do it all the time. You know, when they tell their kids they're no good or they'll never amount to anything or any of that kind of, you know, derogatory kind of thing. I mean, what's that put into a child, you know? And, and not to mention the fact that that child and that family and that relationship, that child was created to be formed and fashioned by the, the nurturing and the strengthening and the encouraging and the support of those parents. And when you can't get it from where you, you know, inherently know that it should come from, it messes you up. Huh? Sure enough. So you just got to be careful about what it is that you say. And, um, and, and I think, again, you know, obviously a lot of people, they say what they talk about and do what they do unwittingly. I mean, you know, because if they really knew, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be doing that. But that's what they've been taught. You with me? So it just, it, it behooves us. Thank God. I just come back to this. Thank God for his word. Because it'll straighten out your thinking. You know, if you'll listen to what the Bible has to say and walk in the light thereof. Hallelujah. So, you know, sometimes you have to restrain your conversation. A lot of times when you talk to people, there is no restraint. Ooh, that gets a little wild, huh? And usually, you know, I mean, quite honestly, the, the results can be devastating. You know, I mean, we see all this stuff, people blowing up and people, you know, taking one another's lives and things of that nature. It starts with a conversation, you know, I mean, it builds and builds and builds and builds, and then pretty soon we've got a real mess on our hand. Are you with me? Y'all still glad you came? Hallelujah. So <clears throat> you just need to be careful. I, I think about, and, and I'm talking about in the context of the body of Christ as believers, you know, uh, I mean, there's, God has an expectation of you, child of God. And when you don't believe what it is that he said, when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that's ah, a disappointment. And not only that, but it can be a real problem for you in your life. And what do I mean by that? Israel is an exceptional example of that. God did so many things for that crew, and yet they wouldn't believe him. And he said, all right, good enough. I'll just judge you out of your own mouth. And you'll wander around out here until you're dead. Because that's what they kept saying. Would to God, you would have left us in Egypt. You know, how you bring us out here, you know. God brought them out so he could deliver them into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. But their unbelief is what kept them. And the same thing's true in the body of Christ today. You know, I think of that scripture uh, uh, in Isaiah, I think chapter 7 and verse 9. It says, um, uh, 
What does it say? Mm. All right, break time. I think it's 7 9. Anybody? Nope, that's not the right one. It's a really great scripture. <sighs> well, it's, it basically it says, if you believe, you'll be established. What? You had the wrong one? Well, now I'm feeling better. I thought I was in the right neighborhood. What does it say? Yeah, if you will not believe, surely you will not be established. Huh? It's Isaiah 7, 9. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you don't believe, you won't be established. And yet all over in the New Testament, what is it that Paul talks about? Being rooted, grounded, settled, established. Well, the only way that can happen is if you and I choose to what? Believe. You got to believe. Whosoever shall say shall not doubt, but shall believe that the things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Hallelujah. So if you can find the scripture in the Bible that promises you whatever it is that you're in need of, you know, like for example, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, that's in the Bible, and it says that he will supply your every need. So praise God, you have every right as a child of God to be able to say, Father, I just want to thank you for what it is you promised me, that you would take care of my need. Now, that does not mean that we're just going to sit on a stump someplace and wait for, you know, something to happen, but that he will lead us in the way that we need to go in order for those needs to be met. Are you with me? So, um, uh, for six weeks now, I've been trying to talk about three components of faith. <laughs> and I tell you what, in the name of Jesus, I don't care if it hair lips the devil, I'm giving all three of them you tonight. <laughs> now, we might be here till midnight, but you're going to get it. The first thing, does anybody remember what the first thing we need to have as component? Knowledge. You got to have knowledge. Huh? The entrance of his word gives light. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing by the word of God. In other words, your faith has got to be tied to some evidence. You know, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what we do not see. So my faith has to be tied to some kind of evidence and and in the case that we're describing or talking about here, it's the Word of God. Uh, case in point, what I just got to say in Philippians 4.19, God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And guess what? God's not broke. Uh-huh. I mean, He's got plenty. So He said He would meet your needs. And so, so, my, so my faith is tied to that promise, and it serves as my evidence that God will take care of me. Are you with me? 
Now I have to do, I have to obey, I have to do what he tells me to do, but that's, that's, uh, that's the way it works. And so, <clears throat> and we mentioned this before, you know, in our relationship with God, we're, we're being asked to believe something that we cannot see. That's what faith is. You know, when you got it, you don't need faith because you got it. It becomes the proof. But until it shows up, your faith is the proof or the evidence of what you do not see. Glory to God. So, you know, uh, it's just a simple fact that our believing deals with what it is that we, we can't see. You know, I mean, when he, when he talked to Moses, he said, I'm going to make a deliverer out of you. He goes, no, you don't want to do that. I'm not the right guy. Can't you send my big brother? He's a lot better at this. He talks. He's eloquent. You know, he goes, nope, you're the one. You know, God's got destiny on our lives. Did you know that? Yeah. And praise God. And, of course, he did make a, a deliverer out of him. The second thing that we talked about, the number two component, was mental assent or agreement. Mental agreement with the Word of God. You know, our faith, or I could say it this way, faith is created in us when we hear and receive. Everybody say, and receive or accept the word of God, okay? Thomas is a great example. He says, man, unless I see it, I ain't gonna believe it. Well, he got rebuked for that, huh? Why? Because Jesus said, this is what's gonna happen, and he didn't believe it. When the disciples told him, he didn't believe it. When the girls told him, he didn't believe it. So his unbelief shut off the blessing of God, and he was, he was reprimanded for it. He said, because you see, you believe, blessed are those that do not see, and yet they believe. Isn't that good? Everybody say, I'm a believer. Yeah, glory to God. So, but we have to accept the word of God. Israel, I, I talked, with, uh, or talked about them earlier, um, again, is such a great story because um, God's seen what was going on in their lives, just like he's seen what was happening in your life before you met him. You know, and here you are, nose to the grindstone, you're a slave to sin, and he wants to set you free. So he sends a deliverer, Jesus, and he comes so that, praise God, you can be set free. And you know, what happened in Israel's story is, is that Moses was the leader or the pastor, whatever you want to call however you want to describe that or define it, and, and these people watch God perform to supernaturally deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. The Bible says there was not one feeble, you know, among their tribe. He brought them forth with all of Egypt's silver and gold. So he spoiled the, the, the enemy, if you want to call it that, or the, uh, the uh, tyrannists, and walked away with everything. And those people watched that happen. Well, you know what? Uh, the Bible says that when, when Moses, you know, to begin with, they believed. And that's why I'm talking about this thing about mental assent or agreement. Because a lot of times people, you know, oh, yeah, man, I'm in, I'm in. But, you know, when it gets hot in the kitchen, all of a sudden you can't find them. Huh? So with a mighty hand, with 10 different plagues, they watched all this happen. And you know the wild thing about it? None of it touched them. I said none of it. None of it touched them. N none of it had an impact on that nation. Now, I tell you what, that's good stuff right now. Because when you see all this going on, 
you can know, praise God, that there is an umbrella or there is a canopy for the child of God that God will keep you safe. Are you with me? That's worth believing. (laughs) Right now, anyway. Actually, it's good any time. So so with a mighty hand, he brings them out. Undeniable, okay? Nobody could do what it is that God did. And, and for the whole thing to come down the way that it did. So away they go. But then, there's, you know, they're shouting hallelujah and hitting their tambourines and doing whatever it is that they do. And they come up against the Red Sea and all of a sudden they look back and here comes the uh, Egyptian army. And all of a sudden their tune changed like that. You know? And it wasn't a good song, by the way. And they were mad at Moses my God, we're going to die. They're coming after us and, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, and all of a sudden it's like stand still and see the salvation of God. God says, lift up your, your rod. And so he, you know, lifts up his uh, thing. And God, these people, two and a half million of them, watch God part the Red Sea. Now, you know, you think you ought to, hey, that's not normal. Maybe God is in this thing, you know? Why do I say that to you? Because every one of you that are in this room tonight have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been born of his spirit. You've experienced his salvation. His indwelling presence is in you. And I'm telling you, there is a place that God wants to take you. He didn't just come to save you. He came not only to do that, but to deliver you out of whatever it is, you know, that keeps you in bondage. But the road there is... You know, it's necessary to believe and possess the land. So they watch this thing happen. God parts the Red Sea. They go across as on dry ground. They turn around. They watch the entire Egyptian army be drowned in the sea. Huh? Well, Miriam, again, she fires up the tambourine and Spirit of God comes on her and she comes up with a tune, starts singing, you know, uh, some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we, you know, remember the Lord our God, the name of the Lord our God, you know. So now we're happy, aren't we? We should be. So, all right, we're getting ready to get into the land that God has promised they get there, and all of a sudden now, they it isn't a matter of we're sending people out to see if we're going to do this. It's we're sending people out to see how we're going to do it, okay? Because they had all kinds of uh, things that they were going to have to deal with, you know, and that's why I say, you know, there's stuff in your life, it's one step at a time. Some stuff you've got to get kind of cleaned up here before you can, you know, kill that giant. Are you with me? And, and people don't want that. They say, well, you know, huh? I want it right now, right away, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, clean up your stuff so that you can get yourself on, a, on a, uh, a foundation and a platform from which to be able to really war and deal with whatever it is, the bigger giants that are going on. You know, and he says this, and I don't have time to get into this, but he talked about it. He says, you know, you're, you're little, you know, in stature and different things like this. If, if you went in and did all this, you wouldn't be able to keep it. You know, between the wild beasts and your enemies, they'd eat your lunch. But we'll, we'll, get you, we'll get you build up. We'll get you strengthened. In other words, he, got, he wants us to grow in our faith so that we can take up more territory. 
So they send these 12 guys out. And, and again, it's not if we're doing this, it's how we're going to do it. I mean, let's, let's, let's do a, a, a surveillance thing and let's find out what we're dealing with. So they come back and they got this report. And I'm giving you the prayer phrase thing because I'm in a hurry. Okay? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> but, but they, uh, no, let's look at it. Why don't you just turn to uh, Numbers uh, chapter I think I'm going to have to repent because I don't think I'm going to get the third thing done. Praise God. Uh, Numbers chapter, this will be worth it anyway, though. Glory to God. Uh, Numbers 13, 26. And they went and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. And they told Moses, they said, We came to the land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. What did they think? You know, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, whenever there's a possession of value and asset and, and, and grace uh, towards your lives, if there's somebody else that's occupying it, they're not just going to give it up because you're so kind and you're so wonderful, and especially the devil, you know, and because you look so good. Huh? He said you're going to have to go in and possess it. So when people have substance abuse problems, they got a giant man and they're going to have to go out there and kill him. Okay? They're going to have to wage war. You know, sometimes, you know, when it comes to Christianism, you know, people, well, you know, you're supposed to be so nice and lovely. Dude, you're not nice and lovely with the devil. You're not nice and lovely with sin because it'll kill you. You with me? So when the Bible talks about girding up the loins of your mind, it's talking about get yourself ready to do something difficult. Okay? So... Uh, in this story um, that we're reading, they said again in 28, uh, the, people that, the people be strong and dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And we saw the children of Anak, the giants, the Amalekites, they dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. You know, and they're telling them, they're giving them this report Actually, the Bible refers to it as an evil report because it wasn't, it wasn't said in the context, you know, we're going to have some challenges here, but praise God, we can make this happen. But we want you to be aware of what it is we're having to deal with. That wasn't it at all. They said, you have no idea what we're up against, and there is no way that we're going to be able to do this, and this is what's there. And they start going down this laundry list of things. And they talk about these seven different tribes or, or group, people groups, you know, that are in various, all over the country that God promised them. And when Caleb seen what was going on, the Bible says he stood up and he stilled the people and he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to do this. And the other 10 said, no, we are not. And there was this, you know, back and forth. And they made the heart of the people melt. And unbelief kept them out of the blessing of God. Are you with me? Now, the reason that I bring that story up to you is because I love Caleb. 
I want to say like, but I like him and I love him. Amen? Because he had another spirit. What was it? It was the spirit of faith. And here's the thing I want you to understand. When it comes to the difference between him and Joshua and these other, this other crew, you know, they, you know, you got to ask yourself, where did he get this from? Well, number one, Moses said, God has spoken to me, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the promise that he made to Abraham about this land is come to fruition. He's heard our cries, and he wants to deliver us, or wants to deliver you. And, um, and they believed it. And then Caleb believed it when he watched an entire nation get delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And he believed it when he watched God supernaturally part that Red Sea. And so now we're up against this deal, you know, and yeah, it looks all the same. But God has been bringing them step by step into this land that he wants them to possess. Listen, he did the same thing for you. You came to a place of faith. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation was granted unto you. He came and made his permanent dwelling place within you, made you a new creation, filled you with the Holy Ghost so that, praise God, you could wage war according to the Spirit of God. And not only that, but for many of you, you got delivered from drugs or alcohol or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, once, you know, messed your life up. And, and it isn't any different now. There's a city right in front of you that God wants you to take. Are you listening to me? He's got great things in store. Why should we let the devil be the one that's enjoying the good of the land? A land flowing with milk and honey. Are you with me? But it does take courage. It does take gumption. It does take um, not apologizing. You know, right now, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody in the world, they're, they're down on the Christian. Well, I'm up on them. I'm up on the Christian. I'm up on the child of God. Amen? So what you don't do is you don't cower. Are you with me? Because I'm not going to get beat out of the blessing of God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. The Bible says this. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Not me. God. But you know what? Praise God. you got to believe in a, in a miracle working, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, you got to believe in a miracle working God. That's the best I can do on that right now. <laughs> you know? So when, you, when you're looking at your life and you've got challenges in it, and sometimes the devil will come and he'll try to pile them all up on you. It's not just one thing. Sometimes it's two or three or four. Sometimes, you know, all that comes and then, you know, then he, then he hits you a low blow with something, you know, really, really devastating. Well, you know what? The Bible says, praise God, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. So I run to the rock when I get in a mess so that, praise God, he can lift me up. Because the devil, you know, he'll attack you. A lot of Christians, they don't even, they don't even give consideration to the reality of this entity we call Satan and all of his cohorts. 
Yet Paul said, hey, listen, one more thing. Finally, brethren, I want you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, high in heavenly places. So we're in a battle. But thank God you don't have to fear because we win. As long as you use the weapons that he has afforded you. You say, well, I don't know what those are. That would be a good thing to figure out. Huh? Better have the tools. Got to have the tools. And when you have the tools, it's no problem, man. You just get them out, start using them. You know, rat-a-tat-tat on his head, hallelujah, with a bat, glory to God. Are you with me? Okay, all right. So we got to have knowledge. We need to agree with what God says, don't we? Huh? And then, uh, um, let's see, what else can I tell you? I told you all that. Here's number three, believe it or not. Here's the thing, you guys. God wants to make good on what it is that he promised to you. Amen. You know, some of us, you know, we got kids, you know, that are uh, challenging us. But I tell you what, praise God, there's verses in the Scripture that you can lay your hand and heart on and trust him to turn that situation around supernaturally. Dude, if he can take Balaam and talk to him out of a donkey, he can do whatever it is going on in your kid's life. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You'll, you know, someday they get to thank you because you stood in the gap for him and wouldn't give up. So he wants to make good in, on the promises that he's made. He wants to preserve you. He wants to keep you. He wants to bless you. And he wants to give you peace. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says, amen? Third component, number three, action. You gotta do something, amen? You gotta put one foot in front of the other, hallelujah. That's the last and essential element or component for Bible faith, and that's action. James said it this way, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Works are the credentials of your faith. You sitting here tonight is a proof or a credential that you believe God or that you love God. Because if you didn't have anything to do, I mean, if you, didn't, if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. Trust me, you'll find something else to do. But you're here. And that is, without question, a credential of your faith. And, and the thing about it is, is that if true faith exists, it will always produce works of faith. Okay? Again, if true faith exists, it's always going to produce works of faith. A lot of times, you know, in my role, uh, you know, sometimes I'll end up, you know, maybe talking to someone because they got marriage problems. I'm using it as an example, not talking about anyone in particular. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I listen to what's going on in their life, and then I say, well, here's what God said or promised that he would do if you would <clears throat> practice 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long, is patient and kind, you know, all that that list, there's a list, you know, believes the best in the other, you know, uh, hopes are fadeless, so on and so forth. So, you know, I can go through it 
and I can say, this is what God said. This is what the Bible says. Husbands, you're to love your wives. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? Well, you're supposed to lay your life down as Christ did for the church. And then it says, uh, wives, you're to respect your husbands. Well, what does that mean? Let's, let's talk about that. So we get some de- definition, you know, he's not your old man. You know, you don't, you know, talk disparagingly about him. You know, he's such an idiot. He can't do anything right. And you know, the thing is, there's women that do that. And then they wonder how come they have problems. And they wonder how come he decides to go someplace else where somebody will, you know, make them feel better. Are you with me? So, so we find out what the Bible says, and, and, and so we all agree around the table. Do you believe that what God, how he instructs us here as to what, what it is that we should do? Do you believe that's the right thing to do? Yep, yep, oh yeah, yeah, Pastor, hallelujah, yeah. Okay, so, so here's your assignment. I want you to go home, and I want you to put these things into practice about, you know, in your relationship with one. No, no more corrupt communication out of your mouth. You don't, you don't talk ugly to one another anymore. You don't speak sarcastically about this, that, or the other, you know. So you kind of go through some things, you know, that, that are practical and applicable, you know, to what's going on, and, and they go down the road. <laughs> now, again, I ask, do you believe this? You, you think this will work? Oh, yeah, I know it'll work. Hallelujah. You know, we're, we're, we're both in agreement. Yeah. But then they go home and they don't put it in practice. Guess what? It ain't going to work. And, they, you know, and then they'll say, well, that Bible faith stuff is no, it don't work. That pastor, you don't know what he's talking about. Well, I do know what I'm talking about, and it does work. You just didn't do it. Huh? Because of pride, because of the cost. You know, there's a cost to love. There's a cost to lay down your life for somebody else. Huh? There is a cost to not always give people a piece of your mind. You know? There is. Oh, I'd feel so much better. No, you won't. Maybe you think you will, but most of the time when that's all over with, then you condemnation, conviction, and a lot of other things start showing up. Are you with me? There has to be action. Action, action, action. Action, action. And this is especially true in word of faith circles, particularly, you know. You start talking about God's desire to bless you, somehow or another, people have gotten the mistaken idea that that means you don't have to do anything. You know, all I got to do is believe. Because, I mean, after all, praise God. He said he would supply all my needs. Well, here's a great question. How's he going to do that? Well, I don't know. I don't have to. You know, all I got to do is believe. Well, there's no action. Okay? If I believe that God will bless me, then I'm going to go out and put my hand to something. I'm going to look for the wisdom of God on the inside of me, you know, to, to... to make that happen with me. Hallelujah. I, I, you know, when I was young, when my wife and I first got saved, I mistook what was being said, that I didn't think you had to do anything. So I'm just going to believe God. And I became a mooch, you know, living off everybody else because after all, I'm believing God. Dude, that ain't believing God. That's stupid. I had to go all the way to South Dakota for some guy to sit down and say, you know, right here, the scripture says that if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. And if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an unbeliever. Man, I went home, went back to work. Matter of fact, when I got home, my old employer called me, says, you want your job back? I said, sure do. So sometimes we're misguided. 
God will bless the work of your hand. I'm a big component or a big proponent of that. Are you with me? So anyway, got to have action, boys and girls. But I tell you what, you put some action to what it is you believe, glory to God, it'll change your life. How many of you believe that? Amen? I mean, it can be as simple a thing as kicking some stuff out of your life that doesn't belong there. That's an action, isn't it? Huh? I tell the story about one couple, you know, they had a big old booze trove, you know, uh, underneath their counter, you know, and they had all, all of it. I mean, you know, Southern Comfort, uh, Canadian Club, CC, I mean, the whole enchilada, baby, it was all under there. And one night they decided that they were going to have a deliverance meeting and they took everything out of there and they poured it down the drain and laughed about it the whole time. I don't know how much booze was there, but I'm telling you, it was a pretty significant amount of money. But you know, what difference does it make in terms of value if it's destroying your life? It's dumb. You know, it's like having a, you know, the most poisonous, venomous snake in the world in your house. You go, well, I can't, you know, he's worth a lot of money. Yeah, well, one night he might crawl up in your bed and, <clears throat> you know, then is it going to be cool? You know what I'm saying? So there's actions that we can take, you know, um, that can change a lot of things, you know. Sure, why not? We're going to leave here and I'm going to go home and it won't matter. <laughs> but, you know, the same thing, you know, like with, when um, um, our kids. And, and I tell you what, folks, parents, my hat's off to you with this whole social media thing and everything, the exposure and, and what it is that they can get to. But I'm telling you what, dude, that stuff is unhealthy because it creates attitudes and behaviors in kids that just are not good. So what's your, what's your role in that? Shut it off. No, we ain't doing that. And guess what? When you do that, there ain't going to be no happy campers, at least for a little while. No. Go outside. Go find something else to do. You're done. Thanks for your enthusiasm. I mean, you know, I, uh, um, in every generation, there's always, you know, something that you have to deal with. But, but that's why I say faith requires action. There's got to be a response. And, and I'm not saying, you know, even in that context, you know, probably the biggest challenge with parents is finding something to replace it with. You know, kids, they need, they need you know, stimulation, they need engagement, they need whatever, you know, so sometimes you have to figure out, you know, what that's going to look like and whatever the case might be, but you can do it. Hallelujah. Everybody's saying, I can do it. Yeah, you can, sure enough, you know, praise God. Well, anyway, that's enough, it's 815. And uh, so why don't you stand with me and let's just commit this to our hearts. Glory to God. We're going to be doers of the word. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Father. We love you tonight. And as we pray, Father God, I thank you for making this word alive to us about our lives and what it is you want to do. God, help each and every one of us to set some new goals. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for causing hope to rise up within each and every heart here tonight, Father. And God, help us to step, take those steps, each step that you would have us to take to bring us uh, to a greater dimension of grace and blessing in our lives. I thank you, Father God, for adding, and not only that, but multiplying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for your grace and your blessing in every home, every family, every life. Hallelujah. I thank you for the love of God that permeates these homes, Father. 
to, to, to keep and to sustain and to bless those that are in it. Thank you, Father God, that the words that are spoken within those homes, Father, are words of kindness, words of peace, words of grace, words of blessing. And Father, we just thank you for your mercies and your goodness. We pray for the church tonight, Father, as we come to a close. Every person, Father, that's made it their home tonight, we lift them up to you. And Father God, I pray that you'll help them and you'll bless them, you'll speak to them. Father, with your still small voice, will you encourage them within their hearts about what is possible. I thank you for granting them wisdom. Father, the answers that they need to problems that seem to have no conclusion. I just want to thank you, Lord, tonight for breakthrough in these couples' lives, in these individuals' lives, in these kids' lives. I thank you, Father, for making them strong and stalwart, that they know who they are in you, Father, and that they're at peace, Father, with what it is that you have for them. And I just thank you, Lord, for your blessing in our house, the house of God, the local church. And God, as we pray, we just thank you, Father, for your goodness, mercy, and we thank you for the community we call faith. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless.